Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, we pitch our own Christian movies and use the phrase Christian art 400 times 401 as we struggle with the issue of Christian art. Everybody, welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast, episode thirty-three. I don't even have it. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> he did you know this you last laugh week. every single time. It, it cracks me up. It doesn't I, matter what he. It's just whatever he he says something in a foreign tongue, and you laugh every time. That was English. Sun she sun. There See, you go. You laugh. Yeah. What's so funny about a different is language? Three in Chinese. I should have. I should have known that. It's just that every. Every week, the last couple of weeks, he's not had it ready, and he knows it's coming. We, we, and he we, was typing vigorously after he said, yeah, we're ready to go, and I could see it on his face, and that's why I waited to say episode 33. I, I don't know. I don't even have it. Yeah. yeah. What's I mean, up, everybody? Hey, guys. I'm Tim. That's Josie. And over there across from me is Jeff. That's not true at all. But we're, epi- we're 33 episodes in. I feel like at this point, you should probably know who we are. And we're Sans guest. Sans. Sans. What is sans in uh, Chinese? We said sans. sans. <laughs> no one cares. I know, but he's looking it up. Guys, we're uh, we're so glad that you have joined us today. If you still have joined us after last week's episode where we talked about a not great movie, hmm. have you guys forgiven me for that yet? No. I will Does seventy. It? I will. I will not forgive you seventy times. Seven times. Wow. That's because you're not Jesus. Yeah, that's correct. I did. I did let Jen listen to the uh, the edit of it. We were listening, and she was like, "This actually is an entertaining conversation." Of, Thank you. Of the movie, <laughs> Josie just not. I will say, Joe, you that's did a your, lot. Your your wife has bad taste. That's why. That's clear. That's yeah. true. I mean, yeah. Whenever, yeah, she was like, "You're dumb." I'm like, "Well, you married me, so which one of us is dumb?" And uh, I, I mean, will she's, say, she's Air Force retired, right? Well, uh, no, she she's honorably discharged. Honorably discharged. She got out at the ten-year mark. Okay, so you know, like the Marines eat crayons, the Air Force they eat uh, glittery crayons. Okay, <laughs> we were talking about bad taste. That was a joke that came way too late. Yeah. So anyway, I love it just ticked off my like, news that nobody all cares of our about. military listeners, including my sister. Yeah. 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 yeah, my news that nobody cares about Semper is that fly. I was in the office today and my wife sent me a video via text of my daughter um, cussing, crawling for mm. the first time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, for the first time. So that was fun to watch. And after I watched it for the 10th time and I was super proud and super excited, I was like, There's, you know, because I've been trying to work with her crawling. Sure. Uh, and now I realized, oh, crud, now we've got to like gate everything. Yep. So yep. that's fun. Yep. Eight and a half months. That's great. Around. That's exciting. Yeah. Lifting her head and just hauling it around. I mean, she's going to be up and running before you know it. Oh, yeah. Yep. You watching any good kids shows? Still Peppa Pig, man. Still Peppa Pig. <laughs> That's Still a, Peppa when, Pig. When you get into the Backyardigans, you'll be in, in good shape. Yeah. The Backyardigans was very entertaining. All I know is I have there's just moments in my life where I'm walking down the street or the hallway or whatever, and I end up singing, fruits and vegetables keep us alive. 
always remember to eat your five, which is just the, it's just over and over and over again. So, That's hilarious. Yeah, it's there. Wait, to introduce her to the backyard again, and you'll be doing really well. She if there's They're if fun. it's something she doesn't like, she cries immediately, and so we're like, all right, fine, Peppa. Wow. Yep. All right. She knows what she likes. Yeah. All right. Well, she's she's, she's an a opinionated buyer. gal, just like <laughs> she just is like a the buyer. old just like the old wife. Yeah, I'd say you're pretty opinionated too. Uh, I was opinionated last week. Yes, you were. But that wasn't about the movie. That was about your recommendation of the movie. That was the that was the opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I apologize for that. And so, guess what? I'm going to do this week. Grovel? Um, no, I, I groveled. I groveled a lot last week. Like, you I mean, groveled I, for a half second, and then you said, "But in my defense." No, I never. I well, I did. <laughs> I did say in my defense, but I, I was trying to explain why I suggested what uh-huh. I suggested. Yeah, and I, I did the due 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 diligence. It was due due diligence. Due due diligence. Really was due due diligence. But I feel like I'm going to redeem myself a bit here. We're gonna we're gonna gamble a little bit. Okay. We're gonna since we're still hanging on to this topic of Christian art. Mm-hmm. We're going to try this movie thing one more time. Okay. All right. So next week for next week's episode, I want you guys to go watch the movie small group. What's it rated? PG 13, PG 13, PG 13 for some light language and apparently some drug references. Define light language. <laughs> what mean, do they say? I'm, I, they, they spelled it out. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, it, it's and drug references. Yeah. And, you know, the week after that, we're going to be watching. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I've just watched uh, trailers and seen a review or two. Um, Requiem for a Dream. (laughs) Yeah. Pulp Fiction after that. Pulp Fiction. um, Wolf of Wall Street. We're actually just going to do a whole series on Tarantino. Yeah. I heard he's he's a great Christian person. Yeah, he is. Requiem for a Dream. That's the one. What's that song? How's that song go? That's like, it's like the famous. um, Do, do, do. Do 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 do. Yeah, yeah. I've never actually seen the movie, but I've heard. I, the, the uh, song I would a not. Times. I would not recommend. No. that movie. Is it light drug references? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I honestly, I have zero. The only thing I know about that movie is the song. That's it. I mean, for real, total honesty. <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain the movie when it's over. Okay. That was probably your best joke of all time. All right, I'm sorry. So anyway, uh, so anyway, so go watch Small Group. Small group. I, I have not watched it yet, but I've watched the trailer. I've read uh, reviews about it. It looks like it is a Christian movie where they threw in a couple of light foul words in order to make it hip and cool. It looks like it's probably going to be better than like a normal Kirk Cameron movie, but um, but it'll probably still be a little cringy. But at least that way, you all know going into it, here's what's in it. And uh, and if I need to record another, guys, I'm really sorry. Don't listen to this review. At least we have time to, uh, or don't go watch this movie. At least we have time to throw that in at the beginning like we did last week. But speaking of movies, so my kids, uh, Jack just turned 14. Joy is about to turn 13. And so we've been, you know, with quarantine and being at home and everything, uh, we have been spending a lot of time doing family movies and we've just kind of been going back and now they're old enough to kind of sit through some of the ones that we grew up on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm not proud of that. I mean, some of it has been fun and some of it has not been great, but we have been kind of working through some of the Adam Sandler movies today, junior and happy Gilmore was a huge hit. The water boy was a big hit and H2O. Hubie Halloween 
that was a lot of fun. We yeah, enjoyed that. that. But that was like one of their first. That was classy. I mean, when I, yeah. as soon as I saw that, I was like, this, he's back to classic Sandler. Classic Sandler. Yeah. And, but my kids didn't really get Hoobie Halloween. And we had to go, no, guys, you need to go back and watch how he started yeah. and understand what he's doing here. And then it made more sense. The one movie we had not seen up until last night was mm-hmm. Billy Madison. Mm-hmm. And I'd been kind of avoiding that because I feel like when I was watching it, my dad was like, this is the dumbest movie I've ever seen. And I was like, it yeah, can't be that bad. You grew up on it, so you'd like it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we showed the kids Billy Madison last mm-hmm. night. I am in the position of my father. It is atrociously bad. Great, grand, wonderful. And yet, I quote that movie I still like way it. more yeah. than I realized. It's a f- not all movies have to have a brilliant story arc. Oh, that one doesn't. Right. But you can just you can just sit down and turn your brain off for an hour and a half. Yes, just like the filmmakers did. But the I mean there were there were really funny parts in it. But yeah. that whole first opening segment where he's just doing the penguin thing and oh, yeah. the, he's that, at the that, dinner that, and he's like, runner, Yeah, the penguin runner I could do every time I'm like, all right, uh, but stupid. the rest of the stuff is is I mean, funny. It's yeah. at least funny. Yeah. I, yeah, we were, I was quoting the movie and I was like, wait a second. And Jen's like, you say this a lot. I'm like, I do. And so sometimes we go back and watch these movies and uh, realize, man, they have impacted us more than we realize. Oh, for and sure. So that's, that's, that's wild. Well, you are what you consume. Mm. And this is what we talked about. That's true. Joe, have you ever seen Billy Madison? No. All right. Are you a fan of, of Adam Sandler? No. Is that because I have a feeling it's because you didn't grow up on him the way we had to had to. Well, I mean, like we didn't have all the. Oh, yeah. Had to. We didn't have we didn't have a thousand channels. The best you could do was like the that one movie when it came out on yeah. VHS. At Blockbuster. Bought it. Watched so, yes, it. Had yeah. to. Maybe for sure. You guys are like 10 years older than I am. Yeah, absolutely. And 15. you had the internet growing up. We didn't. Yeah. Like, we had. I mean, we we were, got the internet at the end. You yeah, had like in high school. Yeah. The best we had was like an AOL chat room. That's right. what we had. Yeah. Um, when we had cell phones, we wanted to text people. If we T9, wanted to send, baby. <laughs> if we wanted to send the letter. Do you even know what T9 T- is? Yeah. You're exactly. in tech. Yeah. How do you. If we wanted to send the letter the. We had to press a button nine times, yep. just about. Because mm. you, you just had the zero through and then the one, nine, two, you know, one through nine and the zero and the pound and the but star. But you wanted the capitals, and I, I was a, a, a fan caps, of, yeah. gr- of grammar, so I capitalized In stuff. space, you had to hit zero four times. I think <sighs> that's what it was, wasn't so it? So ridiculous. Because you had to go X, Y, Z, space. That was space. That's so ridiculous. It's called T9, Joe. Yep. You and your IT degree. So you have no idea what we're talking about? <laughs> no. I mean, there was a, there was at some point that there was a cell phone that I had to type in and use the, the key phone. combination. Yeah, I remember the flip phones, little razors. Yeah, yeah. I remember razors. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, that was T9 then. <clears throat> you needed T9 for that because yeah. you didn't have a full QWERTY keyboard. Typing 9. I got it. Yeah. There you go. All right, good. But well, my, we... my first cell phone was a QWERTY keyboard. It was like a little slide of phone. A little Blackberry. You seem like a BlackBerry. You got a BlackBerry right now, don't you? No, I have an iPhone and a Pixel. Go off. One thing we need to talk about before we jump into our conversation today is uh, so that Atlanta shooting that took place over this past week Mm -hmm. and all the spas. There were, I believe, six uh, Asian Americans that were shot and then another man and another woman um, that were. And and, and a lot of the coverage that I saw of this because I, I, you know, I'm not totally in on it and I refuse to learn the shooter's name. Um, 
a lot of people were making a big deal about the fact that he was uh, from a Southern Baptist church, from a Southern Baptist church. Yeah. Even our friend Mina, who we had in a couple of weeks ago, wrote a piece yeah. for, I don't know, the religion news.net or something, some sort of online yeah, okay. outlet where he basically said, this is not persecution against the SBC church. This is prosecution against the SBC church with a little play on words. And I'm he, not he sure said that he said that when he was here, yeah. when he, that's one of the things he talked about. Well, I, well and we, when we were talking about race, sure. Uh, but I'm not sure. Anyway, you can tell me, I, I'm not sure how that applies to this situation. Neither do I. So I guess that, that I'm just saying he, he had that whole thing. Well, in, in our, in the episode he had with us, what he said is, that as the church that we may not face persecution for the mm-hmm. things we said, but mm-hmm. because we have said and done things and historically, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, that there will be people who, you know, kind of cancel culture. Yeah, sure. they will come to us and say, but what was his, did you read the whole article? I did. I can't recall it at the moment. Um, Joe, I'm sure you could pull it up, just uh, Google it and find it. But um, I don't know. I, you know, I've, I haven't read a ton into this, but it's like people are blaming the church. Right about the the one man's sin uh you know and i mean it's horrible i mean it's yeah. a, you know i mean terrible um you know he he says he has a sex addiction and then he bl- he projects his own guilt onto these people and then says i'm going to take you out because of my problems right what i don't understand what that has to do with the church there i did actually find a guy who, uh, you know, uh, so many of these outlets and so many of these tweets are picking up and we're like, yeah, of course, Southern Baptist, you know, right, the, right. the problem is it's the wrong time of history. It's a pile on. Right. Exactly. Because it's easy exactly. from an armchair to just pile on. This but, is uh, what all Southern Baptists are like. Right. They just there, shoot everybody. A gentleman I found on Twitter who, who he retweeted, you know, some sort of terrible prosecution of the church, if you will. And his name, his last name is Cho, I believe, or Chu. Uh, he was an Asian American. Okay. And he basically said, this is ridiculous. He said, I served as a pastor on staff of this church while this young man was in the church. He said, that church loved on me. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's basically, he basically said this, he, he's, he's basically saying, stop, <laughs> take racism out of, out of play here. Uh, you know, this was not a shot against Asian Americans. This was not one man, white man saying, I'm going to take out Asian Americans. This was a deranged individual who had a huge problem and acted out on it in a just a demonic way but it wasn't it wasn't be a product of a white church preaching against asians yeah uh, he was like listen yeah. i'm an asian american i was a part of this church i served in this church yeah i don't i don't know yeah that's the thing is that i know we have um we have had some criticisms of the sbc because there there are people you know we're in that tribe and so i think you know we can be critical sure. of them um i i that's how I tend to, to, to give my criticism is to the people that you're a part of and close to, as opposed to the people outside that. But that's the thing is that when I heard so much of that, I'm going, I, you know, one of the things that I like about being a Southern Baptist is that we are fairly autonomous. We don't have marching orders from the big dogs telling us, here's what we need to go do. Yeah. And, and so each church is th- their own thing. And are we going to be held responsible every single time one person from our church or from, you know, our denomination goes out and does something horrific. Uh, I didn't feel like that was a very fair criticism. I think what you said was spot on that. It's just, it's a, it's a time to pile on. And if anything is associated with Southern Baptist, then all of a sudden it's like, see, and I'm like, no, not so much. I found the tweet, his name. And I apologize. And my name in my head, I can 
I combined his first and his last name, so I do apologize. Chol Yu, C-H-U-L-Y-O-O. His tweet and subtweet is, I was devastated to hear of the shooting. Some of the victims remind me of my own mother, who worked 12-hour days most of the four decades that she was here in America. I was also grieved by prominent people bringing judgment on a church without knowledge. I served on staff at this church at one time. As an Asian American, I was treated with great respect and dignity. They loved me and my family well. I still have friends there whom I consider dear brothers and sisters in the Lord. So please show them kindness and generosity of spirit. Yeah, it's just, it's so, I, it is easy to pile on. It is easy to shoot arrows. It's easy to cast judgment. And in today's day and age, and I know race is a very important, very important. I mean, we've gone through it, mm-hmm. right? I, I hope that I've made my position well and, and well known. And, and I understand, I mean, I highly believe that race is, disparaging right now and there's so much that needs to be talked about but it's also so easy to just cry racism like right from the start i I don't get it i just don't i mean maybe he was in there you know with ethnic slurs throwing it out there to me i think swallowed up in this whole thing is the fact that if it is it well maybe not the fact but my understanding that he went to establishments that he frequented i believe that's that's been reported right like he went to these places that he went and you you guys are a are a uh a, a temptation and so it's your fault that it's a temptation and so he just started shooting which is again demonic lost in all of this is the sex trade <laughs> yeah lost in all of this is that we don't know if those poor women who lost their lives had a choice to be there or not mm. I, you know, and, and I mean, we've just got done talking about Ravi in Atlanta in spas, and it's just this horrible coincidence yeah. all wrapped up into one. But lost in all of this is there are, I mean, there are Asian massage parlors all over this nation, including here in our backyard in Maryland, who I assume are involved trafficked Asian women. Mm. Um, and nobody's talking about that. Yeah. And I, we, we should talk about the victims. We should mourn their loss. We should mourn this absolute evil tragedy. But how, how I, I, racism seems to be a louder conversation now than sex trafficking. I'd rather talk about the sex trafficking. I don't well, know. I think, I think the problem is, is that violence against Asian Americans has exponentially increased in the last, that. in the last couple of years. I get that. And, and I actually, I've, I still mean to, I've, um, I've a, a, a decent amount of Korean friends from when I served at the Korean church years back and um i've been wanting to reach out to them since then because i want to hear the story when i ask like what have you felt pressure over Mm -hmm. the last five years Uh, or over the last uh, 12 months right with the whole china flu or the kung flu or whatever you know all this nonsense um i don't know i i don't i've never heard from them uh, before any of this them say that they've felt a disadvantage or felt racism but i'm planning on reaching out to them for sure yeah, and I th- so I think when you have a a climate where that is happening, mm. that it's real easy that when you see eight people killed and uh, a majority of them, yeah, you react. Are, yeah, it, it 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 tends to make you go, okay, here's and so yeah, I, I think there's definitely a conversation needs to be had, but um, but that yeah, that was an interesting um, that was an interesting take to just say let's just pile on the church now again there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of uh, gray because my understanding is that this church did have a group that probably tended a little more on the uh what they call the founders group and they were a little more on the christian nationalist kind of gods and guns and you know i don't know know, i I don't so that to me it's just it 
you know. I'm pretty sure. I mean, as much as we've talked about how that's a perversion of the gospel, uh, to immediately jump in a, and and you know, I, I'm pretty sure they're not saying, "All right, go out and no. you know, kill." You know, I you know, I don't know. But you know, the the question comes: if someone sits under a group that that kind of espouses certain principles um, that are that are off of the gospel, then should we? Are they complicit in when someone kind of carries that to its natural end? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I don't have any answers to that. But it's 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 one of those things. But it's uh, it's definitely a tragedy. And maybe you know, as as more comes out about that, we'll be able to respond to it. Yeah, and we're not in the middle of it. The person that I found online, this Asian American Joel Yu, who is a whole lot closer to the middle of it than us, says lay off the church. And so I'll I'll take his word. Sounds good to me. All right, guys, we need to lighten things up a little bit after that. Um. So we're going to we're going to continue talking about Christian art, but for hashtag blessed today, I thought it'd be fun to try to do something. Uh, and those of you who are listening, we are going to need your help because we're going to have a little contest on social media that when this drops, we're going to need your votes. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter or um, uh, Facebook at GCP pod. And here's what we're going to do. I have asked each of us to give our best Christian movie pitch now, in order to do that, what we did was we all worked off the same title. Okay, so I gave a title that could uh, potentially be the name of a Christian movie, and then each of us have to come up with a movie plot that would that would kind of fall in line with the Christian uh, movie ideals. And so I took I, I I tried to find a Christian movie title generator. No such thing exists online. But then my uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law had this really good idea when I when I tossed it to them and they said, well, what if you just took like how Waymaker and Overcomer and I still believe were all movies that were also song, you know, made from song titles. And I, I can only believe. I can only imagine I can and I said, only imagine take a popular worship song and make that the name of the movie. And I By said, the way, Great. I enjoyed I can only I can only imagine. I Didn't watch it. it. Didn't watch it. Yeah. Maybe maybe is that worth watching? I mean, in, in your black and white world, no, but I en- black, I enjoyed You were the one last week who said <laughs> yes. this is trash yes. for an hour and a half yes. and Josie pulled out really good insight, no, insightful that's commentary. That's wonderful. Yeah, I see I see the world in gray in very many things, but last week I did not. But we we've, yeah. we've already had that conversation, yeah. but I I I found I can only imagine to be entertaining for sure. Okay. I, I, I even welled up at the end. Okay, baby. So what yeah. we're going to do is I asked you guys, the title of mm-hmm. our Christian movie mm-hmm. is one of the greatest worship songs that are, that are out there right now. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I love this song. It's Graves into Gardens. Now the guy from um, uh, the, the office show. Um, uh, you're thinking of uh, the IT. Yeah. The guy who sings the song from Elevation. Brandon Lake. Right. And Brandon. he's in what's the TV show that he's known for. <laughs> he was was it uh the, the workaholics workaholics that's, that's what it was is he the one that wrote the song or he's uh, just the one that made it famous by singing it in that music video i think he's the one that made uh, he must have done it because he also has it on i think his own album hair like a lion yeah he anyway does uh, i i must confess that i had absolute writer's block on graves to garden so i've okay. got nothing but i do have a different pitch okay anyway. all right all right so we'll let you go first josie do you have a graves in the gardens movie pitch roughly i'm gonna blow you guys away 
Okay. Okay. So, so, so right. You so it, again. It's, you're the creative one of the group, so you set yourself up for a win on this one. I didn't. I didn't decide on the title. Okay. Brother-in-law and sister-in-law said, "Here's where you go with it," and I just was like, "Yeah." All right. So, Tim, give us your your pitch. Movie pitch. Yeah. Give us your Christian movie pitch. It is. Uh, see, now I'm I'm losing losing my mind. Um. What's the name? What? <laughs> What's the name of the old movie back in the late 90s that was set in the Maryland woods with the camcorder? Blair Witch. Thank you. All right, so this is a Christian version of the Blair Witch Project where uh, <laughs> Christian teenage youth, you know, on the on a, uh, a week-long retreat out in the woods um, at a Christian camp are around a fire. They're singing, they're sharing um, uh, testimonies, and they are documenting it all with cell phone cameras, and so you can, you know, you can have all of the different footage until they realize and get scared out of their minds that just on the other side of the trees is a secular youth camp. <laughs> and while they are sharing their stories with the sound of the cricket and the share of the babbling, the sound of the babbling brook and the sound of the, you know, the frogs, um, they run for their lives and it is, it's, it's a scary Christian flick for, for real. But anyway, the name for the, Name for the movie is entitled One Night with the Frogs. <laughs> what? What? One Night with the Frogs. It's like a Christian Blair Witch Project kind of a, a parody. You know what? That was a, a fantastic setup for um, a joke that I'm pretty sure only I will understand yeah. and my mm-hmm. wife. Um, wow. One night with the frogs. I can't even. If you want to know, <laughs> I don't, can we make that available sure. privately? Yeah. If you want, so here's the deal. If you want to know what uh, what inside joke uh, Pastor Tim just dropped, uh, I don't know if you can email. I don't know if I want to put that on email. We may need to have a, a conversation face to face. But if you're from Council Bluffs, email us at goodchristianpod at gmail You might. You might have just won, man. For you get my vote, and I put together something great. All right, Josie, you're up. So a uh, in in graves in the gardens. Um, I don't really have a plot, um, but what I've got so far is let's say there is a crypt keeper who manages a graveyard. Going very literal with this title, um, <laughs> who, while not being explicitly stated, is heavily implied to be on the the autistic spectrum. Um, just because it's a, a, a heart-tugging movie. Um, and I just kind of goes about life, only cares about the corpses, getting them in the holes in the ground, lives at night. Eventually, uh, a family moves in across the street from this graveyard um, and notices that, uh, you know, like they do a lot of agricultural work. They put, like, uh, gardens up and, like, they've got, like, crops and they're kind of growing, like, their home background or backyard garden. Um, the crypt keeper, uh, they 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 don't really see him. He's kind of like in the crypt at night. Um, and that's when they only they see him. But after a, a chance meeting with the uh, the young boy of the family, uh, they they eventually start uh, getting to know each other, and the family kind of adopts this this crypt keeper, and then helps beautify the graveyard um, all while teaching the crypt keeper about Jesus. Also, nobody dies at the end. Okay, you know it's funny we're we're not terribly like like ours our plots um sort of you went super literal too yeah very okay that was good that was not bad at all i can only imagine what this is gonna be like 
imagine a small town pastor and his wife. Played oh, you by, actually wrote copy. Oh, I did. Yeah. I did. This is a movie pitch, guys. I'm excited. I think this could work. Okay. Imagine a small town pastor and his wife, played by Kirk Cameron and Lauren Daigle, except for the hugging scenes where Kirk Cameron's real wife subs in. And they're trying to save their struggling church, and they end up having to make the ultimate sacrifice to save their town. Jesse and Amber Christ have done everything they can to raise money to save the church, but when a dark force descends upon the church cemetery, they come face-to-face with a terrifying foe. That's right, zombies. In a cinematic first, I present Graves into Gardens, the first Christian horror movie. That's a lie. You ever watched The Hangman's Curse 2003? Yeah, as the Frank town... Peretti. Mm, oh, Frank Peretti. All right, all right, fine. Forget that. Zombies. Anyway, as the town gets overrun with The Walking Dead, Jesse and Amber host prayer meetings and ev- with evangelism training as they are convinced that they should aim not for the head, but aim for the heart. When none of this works, Jesse and Amber decide to lay down their lives for their friends and to let the town escape, Amber begins singing oceans through the town's loudspeaker as Jesse walks down the street to offer himself to the zombie horde. During the climactic 17th bridge of oceans, the zombies see Jesse Christ willing to sacrifice himself for the town and tears begin to flow as the outstretched hands of the zombies turn heavenward and their calls for brains turns to praise. The town and the church are saved as the converted zombies become groundskeepers for the cemetery and people from all over come to see the beautiful floral arrangements the zombies create it's night of the living dead meets courageous how long did you how long i mean it took me five minutes okay all right yeah so that's brilliant yeah i think it's great that movie i I would watch that movie i mean you could definitely there's room there to you know that you could use the wooden stake of the spirit to yeah. uh, no is wooden stick that's uh that's, that's not zombies vampires. that's vampires Sorry. i was going to i was going to try to work in a character who's somehow related to the choir and his name would be can hell sing but um that's vampires and i didn't want to cross and how do you kill a zombie double tap to the head is yeah that? cut off their head destroy their, their brain head. destroy their brain destroy their brain okay best zombie movie or tv show Shaun of the dead I don't know, that's that's not thesis. my genre. No, it's not mine either. Uh, I've seen one zombie movie, Shaun of the Dead. What was the one with Brad Pitt? World War Z. World War Z. I enjoyed that. I'm I haven't sorry. watched that one. I yeah. need. It's actually in my queue. Q U E U. Do you have any thoughts on zombie movies? Uh, no, but season one of Telltale's The Walking Dead was really good. Is that different than The Walking Dead? Yeah, it's the game rather than the TV show. Okay, I got you. So, guys, we're going to continue the conversation we began last week about Christian art. Mm. And uh, and I feel like, um, at least me, I don't want to speak to you, for you guys, but I, I feel like we've picked this up from you guys, um, that we kind of come from a place of frustration sometimes when we see Christian art coming from the Christian community, uh, particularly art that represents us poorly. And so... I want to kind of process some of that and kind of deal with some of these questions about Christian art and see if there are ways that we can improve. When we um, ended our, or, you know, we started this conversation last week and, and Tim, you asked a question. You said, I'm going to borrow from next week. And I wasn't asked, I wasn't planning on asking this question this week, but then as I went back and listened to it, I went, Hmm, I don't know that I completely agree with the answer that I gave you. You asked a question, do Christians need to make art? like the world. And my my initial reaction immediately was no. Just completely dismissive. No, we do not. But if you're going to try then at least do it well. And uh and I don't know that I completely agree 
with my answer where I said no. Okay. And here's why. Um, I think I, I wanted to revisit this because I believe that God is creative. I believe that God, as evidenced through Jesus, is a storyteller. That uh, he like and and we respond to stories. The people during his time when Jesus would would communicate truth, he would tell often through story. And we are made in the image of God, and so therefore, I actually would go back and say, yes, I think we need art. So bad Christian movies are sin. Um. Hmm. Okay, I'm not. I'm so. I, I want to think about this. My my answer is it could be. No, and, come and on. Here, here's why. Here's why. If you are giving your best to the Lord uh-huh. and that's your best, yeah. No, it's not a sin. Okay. If you could do something to the best of your ability and you only do it halfway, would you consider that to be a sin? Uh, that's if a blem- you could, that's if, a blemished lamb that you're offering on the sacrifice. So, so that's, that's so what that's I'm saying. Anything that's right. half butting anything for right. sure. And that's what that's what that's but where my you, yes. That's what come. you're saying. So you're saying that the people who do the God's not dead, all that kind of stuff, they could do better, but they're like, eh, it's good enough. I'm not saying that, no. but that's a possibility. Got it. So what I'm saying is, if that's the best they can do, then okay. Okay. But if that's if they are just going, you know, kind of like what we saw in the movie last week, which is this is just an uh, an institution or a company, because I found out that um, that every I don't know, I won't say every, but many of the major producing like uh, companies, mm-hmm. they have a branch of faith based movies that they understand that, that, hey, we can just create terrible art and throw it out and the Christian community will buy it. We don't have to give it as much money and it'll still bring in a, a ton of money. I don't want to say butt ton again. Um, although I, I guess I kind of do. 40 you imperial gallons. Four, yeah. Or two hogsheads. Hogsheads. This is such a, such a helpful podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, How much is a hogshead? You keep talking. I'll look I thought you said it was 65, 30, 65 gallons. Because it was a hundred and thirty, a butt ton is a hundred thirty gallons. And oh, you're two- paying too much for hogshead, man. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, yeah, that's an interesting question, Tim. I, I would say, as with anything in life, five hundred fifty liters. <laughs> if you are doing something to the glory of God and you are just sort of going through the motions just for whatever reason, I would say you're not bringing God your best. And if we are required to bring God our best and do our best, um. And I think that's why, like, often we respond to, and, and I don't mean to disparage anyone, but we we respond really well when we see kids do things, mm-hmm. whether it's singing in church, doing some productions, because we realize, is this good quality? Not really. Mm-hmm. But are they doing their best? And we go, yes, they are putting themselves out there and they are creating something that they understand. I'm doing this for the Lord. I am... I'm I'm going for it. I'm doing Once the best. Once you're of I can. age, put away the cute. I mean, a little bit. Okay. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I'm just asking the one who's written plenty of church stage plays. I will say this. Um, I did the <laughs> no. I mean, I'll be honest because I I wanted to talk about one of them. Um, I have written six or seven um like productions for the church, mm-hmm. uh, and was a part of the Christmas album. Um. I would say for the most part, I'm not super proud of what I put out there. Um, and, and it was, and I did the best I could. And You're like so, me every Sunday afternoon when I go home. 
I'm not proud of what I put out there, but I did the best I could. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think that as people who create, I can look back on things now and see flaws where I go, I did the best I could, but looking at it, I'm not, I'm not real happy with what, um, with what the finished product was. And I don't know how to overcome that. Um, I think it's just a product of who I am and just knowing that I don't think I'm very, um, creative in that way. I don't know. Do you You can write a good movie synopsis? That's a great, in five minutes. That's a great movie synopsis. Yeah. But you know what? If you, if you said now go make that, I wouldn't know what to do. I would just have to give it to somebody else. But I also, I don't think that's a good movie synopsis. I think that's a, a good Christian movie. I think that embodies and kind of satirizes what Christian movies would put out there, but I would not go pay to see that movie. I see. So I guess the question there is, how do you make a good Christian movie? Because for me, the thing that makes Christian movies cringy and cheesy is how ham handed. Yes. God is like, like I have never once seen God or a conversion or any, any aspect of Christianity implemented well in a Christian movie. Mm-hmm. The, the movies that I think work the best are the, not the ones that are um, explicitly Christian, but the ones that borrow Christian allegory that borrow yes. um, themes and, and, and theses from, from the, the core idea of Christianity. I would say, so, so I'm you kinda, want vagueness. I don't want vagueness. I just want us to do like, We've got to find some way to do, if we want to be explicit, we have to find some way to do it well. Because right now we don't do it well. And it seems that no one's figured it out yet. So I would, this week, I was, as you know, kind of prepping for this, I was challenged um, because I think as a, as a group, I mean, we're part of the church and, and, and I think we have seen too much of a dividing line between subcultures between sacred and secular that Mm -hmm. we've just sort of said over here is the sacred over here is a secular and that division has grown and as Christian movies like have been produced and I'm not blaming the Kendrick brothers I mean they they did what they did Um, but I think as as they revealed that Christians will go see anything um I feel bad. I feel bad. like I, I'm not trying to take a dump on those guys. Um, and I feel like that's the tone I'm taking and I don't mean for that too. So I apologize to them because I'm sure that they're listening. Uh, but that's, that's not what I mean. But I, I think as we have seen the phenomenon of Christians supporting Christians, that divide has only gotten bigger. And as a result, uh, we have allowed the dumbing down of art for the sacred audience who just sort of seem to need it spelled out. So let me, yeah, I mean, I okay. And you so, know, if you want to reference the movie from last week, that's the one thing I really liked about um, Faith Based was uh, Blonde Guy, he had a conversion experience, at least it was kind of implied by the movie, and then he, they never really referenced it. Yeah. You just saw a positive change in his character, and, like, he started doing more church things sure so that's and and that's what i'm getting at and a question so how do you take what is arguably the greatest single thing that happens in the life of human being being born again being converted going from dark to light from lost to found 
uh, whether it be, um, you know, walking an aisle or a conversation with a friend or the sinner's prayer, um, how do you take a conversion like that, put it on the silver screen and make it creative? Because what you're saying is when you've seen it on film, and, and I don't disagree when, when you see someone praying or crying out to the Lord, uh, you know, it's like, all right, it, it, it feels a little... I don't know, unnatural the way they do it. But what you're arguing for is don't show me the conversion. Just show me the change in behavior. Just imply that there's a conversion there and just tell me that he went from being a bad guy to a good guy. Not even that. It's just if you if your if your movie is supposedly a slice of life or or based in the idea of real life, don't show me an unrealistic conversion um, or don't show me like an unrealistic experience with God yeah. because I don't know. Um, the, the more unbelievable you make that aspect of your movie, like the the cheesier it's just going to come off on the whole. I get that, and I, I I hear you. My problem is I don't have any firepower to shoot back and say, "What about this movie? This movie? This movie? This movie?" Where a conversion experience seemed genuine and it was acted out genuine. I I just haven't seen enough movies to to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I would. So even, I don't. I, but I also wouldn't want to just say I'm sure it they, it all sucks. Like no one's done it well it, because I don't know. Conversion is not a um, it's not a third act resolution or a second act resolution. It's it's more of like the start of the movie. So I would very much rather than see the movie that goes where like you've got like that scumbag who who doesn't really care about anyone that like experiences Jesus and then has like a Paul moment. And then credits roll. And then credits roll or like then like he saves whatever, like the town project or whatever. Right. I would much rather see a movie where like we start out at the conversion and we've watched someone struggle to understand what it means to be a Christian and still realizes that like, hey, like something changed like for me, but I still need to change with that. the entire struggle. That's one of the reasons. And I know you, Jeff, asked us to like think through you know Hollywood movies that had strong Christian themes and again mm-hmm. my my brain's empty on all of that uh, the one movie that I absolutely loved and still do and not that I've seen it a couple times but Hacksaw Ridge mm-hmm. with Andy Andrew Garfield yeah I think that's what you're talking about Joe kind of the, the whole movie is him struggling with his faith and how it plays out in a war um, and how you know how his what do you call it um he was a, a conscientious, conscientious objector, objector as a Seventh Day Adventist or something, and um, yeah, and I loved that movie. But I think it was also well done. It was well acted. All you know, him and Teresa Palmer, and all, then all of the rest of the uh, the guys who were actually in the fight with him. Uh, I think that was done well. But it it there wasn't the conversion experience like you're saying. I feel like that's that's I if I may be wrong, but I feel like that's where I'm hearing most of the cheeses like, okay, we can talk about pre, we can talk about post, but that conversion, we've not seen it done well on the screen. I, I would say, I mean, there are movies and like a lot of the movies that I think the Kendrick brothers put out. I don't know. Yeah, who are the Kendrick brothers? They're the guys that did fireproof, okay. courageous Got facing that. the giants where they don't always have conversion experiences a part of it. It's just, um, so often I think it's the journey leading up to the conversion experience that you go, this, this didn't earn where we are and, and the conflict that led this person this way and the way that the whole movie and the, the conversations that took place, 
um, are just so unnatural that that I go, this is not what the Christian experience is like. It is a sanitized, let's try to clean it up so that everything sort of points and moves us to this one direction as opposed to let's just kind of follow a natural progression of what it's like to live life as a Christian. And the thing is, I don't, I'm not even saying we need movies that go, this is what life is like to, you know, as a, as a Christian. And and here's how you get converted. And and I don't know. Can I make my, my patented hot take of the episode? You ready? Mm -hmm. It's early. Okay. Um, Go for it. I feel like the Kendrick brother movies, like fireproof, uh, facing the giants, that kind of stuff. I feel like that is more Christian propaganda than it is Christian art. Okay. You want to dig deeper on that? Um, no. Yes. Uh, (laughs) just when you say it's like that sanitized version of things, like, it's it's very obvious to me when I look at those kinds of films that they started at the resolution and then invented sure. the conflict yep. to, to match yep. it. I'd they agree. started with what they wanted you to end up at or what you, they wanted you to think. And yeah. then everything is crafted to kind of bring you to that moment. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but that when... So I've, I've the, the church productions that I've done, I can go back and I can look and I did exactly that where I would go... What is it that we want to tell the audience or what do we want to make them feel at the end of this? And then everything is directed towards making that happen. Now you can add humor, you can add whatever music, however you want to, you want to get it there. But at the end of the day, we go, this is where we are going to land. The one production that we did, and it was the last one I did. um, It was a story about the two angels. And basically what I, the way we approached it when we were writing was here's what the context and the setting is. And we had no idea how to resolve it. We had absolutely none. We just said, what if we had this scenario where these two angels visited this guy around Christmas, he was dealing with grief and we don't know how to pull him out of that. And so we had worked everything up to this is just entertaining and telling a story, but it wasn't until I was at a worship conference and I just sat in on a breakout session where a guy was talking about leading through, um, leading, leading in worship through grief or through pain. And he did this whole recounting of going through the book of Job and just dealing about how, you know, at the end, Job had lost everything at the end, God reveals himself. And I ran out of there and, and found pops. He was kind of, he was working with me to, to write this. And I said, we got the ending and the ending. And I, I, I totally attribute this and I, I'm jumping way ahead. Cause I want to talk about the end about the Holy Spirit's role in creating art. To me, that was God going, okay, you did what you could to come up with a compelling and an interesting story. But ultimately, the resolution had to come from God giving something that goes, here's how we can make this work and how we can say something. There was no conversion. And at the end of the at the end of the story, the guy who was dealing with this grief, you know, in front of everybody was saying, where was God? Why did he allow this to happen? And to be able to ask that in a church during a Christmas musical where we're going, this is what light this was the most honest thing I think I'd ever written and um and it was me working out my own grief and my own pain in front of everybody else and it was the most honest thing to get up there and go as a Christian who I've, I've you know I say I was conceived uh, or I was saved at conception 
to have to deal with grief and pain and then to basically say, I'm going to put this out in front of everybody else. That to me felt like the most honest thing I could do as a creator. And, um, and that's the thing I'm most proud of because I, I appreciated that, that we could have a character yell at others in the middle of the church. God could have stopped this and he didn't do it. And, and that resonated with a number of people who said, you know, I've never, I've never dealt with this kind of thing. I've been afraid to ask that question because of what it might say about God. And, and that to me is what art can do. Art can, and, and God is big enough to handle us dealing with those things. And there, and there was still resolution in it. And so I'm, I'm kind of rambling, but I, you know, to me, you know, there are stories that are messy and there are stories that are clean. It feels like most of the Christian movies that you guys are referencing now are clean stories. And yeah. you're saying that the better art is the messy stories, but there's, there's art. I mean, there can, there's beauty on both sides, right? Um, yeah, but I don't know that, um, I mean, we, we have said this, I know you have said this, I've said it where we go, yeah, I don't have much of a testimony because you go, I got saved when mm-hmm. I was da da da. And, and what we're saying in there is my story is not that compelling. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, is that we can go, okay, I would imagine that your, you may feel that your story was not so compelling pre-conversion. So tell me about what has happened as a Christian after, because what typically movies do, and it's all movies, but Christian movies, you know, especially they present a very fixable conflict that with just a little bit of work and enough people praying all of a sudden a marriage can get saved. Someone can get healed happily ever, happily ever after there will be a happy ever after because in Jesus, that's what we get. Show me how you show me how you had the conversion moment. And then you went back to work on Monday. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Or, you know, and, 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 and show me what it, what that mess kind of looks like, because I, I think we are giving a false sense of this is what the Christian life is like when we say, if you, and it was like that, that what made me laugh in that, that movie last week where the woman said, these cops were trapped in a sewer. They thought they were going to die. They found Jesus and they didn't die. And it's just, it's that whole thing of, yeah, if you just find Jesus, everything else will be good. Yeah. And that's the message that a lot of these movies present. And I go, that's not life. I feel like one of the first writers to uh, one of the first writers that was in a Christian realm to do that was the blue like jazz guy. Um, And I feel like he was the first one to put out a messy book. Yeah. 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 Uh, A a messy memoir book at Mm -hmm. least. And uh, I mean, Don, Dan, Don, I don't remember his name. Um, and it was huge, huge. And I think yeah. they came out with the movie. I didn't see the movie, did. but, but you know what that movie and, and also, um, that movie, the shack and the book, the shack sure. came out. That was like huge. It was, it was kind of a reimagining of God in the three persons. Sure. But God, the like. father was a black woman. So, right. you know, it was like, we're not going to watch that. Yeah. And, and it, and it presented some, you know, trash theology, but it, it was still something that people, and I was, I'll be honest, I was one of those people on that realm that were like, this is, this is trash because the, rea- you know, the theology is wrong. I don't, I mean, I don't care how you want to reimagine things. If you want to m- make the Holy Spirit this, you know, and I don't know, but who was this? the Holy Spirit was Mick Jagger. Is that right? <laughs> I thought he was an Asian man. Oh, uh, really? I don't remember. I, you know, I, how do I say? I don't remember. I never watched the movie or read the book, but I heard about it. Um, and I did I a snap the judgment, book, but I don't, I don't remember much about it anyway. Yeah. Um, 
Amina Brown. So there was a, she is a spoken word poet and I came across a podcast that she did for Christianity today. And one of the things that she said, they were, they were asking her about art and how she had been involved in like the sacred realm uh, and really had sort of moved away from that and was dealing largely in what we would call the secular realm. Um, and she's down in Atlanta and, uh, and doing all that. And in the, in the podcast, I wrote this down. One of the things she said is we want to make art preach in super explicit ways, which sometimes takes away the artfulness and takes away the work the spirit of God can do. Mm-hmm. The spirit of God can take what looks like an abstract painting and speak to us. But sometimes in our church settings, we go, well, that's too abstract. And that ends up hurting us in the long run. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's kind of what Josie was saying, I think, that that everything has to be very much spelled out. There's not a lot of room for interpretation or mystery. It doesn't have to be a sermon. Uh, yeah. So as one who crafts sermons on a very regular basis, you can, there. there's moments where I think you can major too much on story. There's moments when you can major too much on exposition and find no story in there. And I... I think that those neither of those are uh, wrong, but they uh, connect with a different audience. Sure. And so you, the, you've, when you find a balance, I mean, some people are going to connect way more and remember way more of the story that you give, and they'll say, "I can't remember." Was he in John chapter four? Is that right? And then others will remember the point, the yeah. theological point, and go, "I don't, I don't remember what story he was talking about, but I remember that he said this." And so, trying to find that balance, but I don't know that you need to find that balance in art because you don't have to preach a sermon in art. Sure, sure. I think the goal, and and here's where I think, and Josie, you can tell me if if I'm miss representing your position to me what art should do is speak and stir your emotions that there that for the most part if you are that if you're not doing that then in then and that's kind of what i see in the christian art which is it's not artistic it's more of a head thing like i need to check all these boxes i need to tell you this story as opposed to making you feel this story and, and walk along. And I, I haven't seen enough Christian movies to go, here's a good one that, that made me feel. It sounds like Tim, I can only imagine, uh, did that for you where you were kind of yeah, brought it. into the story and you were made to feel something. People don't typically cry when you read a textbook. Sure. And I think that's a thing is that where the Christian art has drop the ball is that we have the best story to tell. We have the most creative mind to tap into. And we're so focused on, I just need to tell you this thing. And we're not really stirring hearts. I don't know. Am I wrong? Am I not saying? Because to me, I think that the honest stories, the mess the the room for interpretation allows people into the story. And when you're just saying, here's exactly what you need to know, then the poem sort of becomes a textbook. The novel becomes a textbook. And that doesn't, I don't think that speaks to anybody. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I think the thing for me is it's what you're trying to sell at, and sell being more of a figured term than a literal one. Um, what are you trying to sell me on? Are you trying to sell me on a slice of life, like um, like modern day story based in realism? Or are you trying to sell me on some kind of like fantasy epic? Like sure. 
the allegory in Lord of the Rings is perfectly fine. Right. It's super heavy handed, but it works because yeah. it's a fantasy story. Right. Um, trying to give me something very heavy handed in something that I, I intimately know, i.e. real life. Yeah. You can tell it's, um, what's it called? The, the curve where, uh, things like the, the more realistic things get, the more you notice is the, the falseness in it. No, I'm not familiar, but that makes sense. Um, there's, Oh, I gotta look it up. But, uh, <laughs> there's this, this, this graph that says that the more realistic, the more anthropomorphic a thing becomes, um, like a little robot, it's cute. And then there's a point where it just gets really, really creepy as it gets just close enough to being human. Like, yeah, but you can tell that it's something's off. Maybe the eyes don't look at you right or whatever. Right. But it looks really human. Yeah. Um, and I'm that's way lost on any of that, but man, it's fine. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about the movies is like the closer we get to something that looks like what I'm supposed to be living. Yeah. The more I notice like this is all really dumb. Like, yeah. Like these things could be resolved. These things are kind of like false conflicts. Like this is set up really poorly. Um, and that's, that's what I take issue with. That's what I feel is like the, the really lazily, sloppily done, commercialized, yeah, Christian Christian movies, yeah, I'd, Christian art. Here's where I land on all of this because I am again, I, I'm I'm a sermon writer and sermon deliverer, and so my creativity is based around three days, two thousand years ago, in Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. Mm -hmm. That is the story that should compel all of humankind if it's told well. Yeah, um, but. It doesn't grip the hearts of billions, right? They've heard it. They're like, okay, that's fine. Um, but that's still my job to continue to tell the story over and over and over again and hit it sure. from different angles, all those different kind of things. But that's that's my calling and my role. The people who are in the pews who are listening to this and being discipled and looking to disciple and all that kind of stuff, they don't have the same job to stand up and orate some sort of a story or to give some sort of a 35 minute pitch. Um, their job is to go out and however God has gifted and called them to go out and live in such a way that God has given them five talents, make it 10 um, and, and do something. And so I, I think it, it's the age old story where people say, am I doing enough? Uh, you know, am, am I giving enough? Am I serving enough? Am I, you know, am I doing enough? But the, 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 and this is in my sermon. I, I don't I don't know if it's this upcoming one or weeks down the road. But it was on my desk today. It's the wrong question. Am I doing enough? Is not the right question. Am I doing anything? Is the question. Because sure. most people aren't even there. And if you're doing something, then whatever you do, have an unblemished lamb. And if you can't sing very well, I don't sing. Like just yeah. sing. Do it. Um, but I think the entire world is lulled to sleep and, and so many different things and creativity is in there and if you want to write a song write a song if it sucks at the end fine but give it your best yeah if you want to write a write a play for a church and nobody cares about it because it was terrible then just write it and let it go yeah. um I, I mean i just let the holy just let the, you know sit down like paul and let the the, the holy spirit speak through a pen i, I don't know I, and so then how we judge that art i don't know is is art is art does art need to be unique in order to be worthwhile like if i we, we talk about telling, I hope not, telling the same story I, yeah yeah i can it's my sermons on sunday are kind of my art like it is yeah. when i sit down with a blank sheet of paper with the the holy book open and say all right what am i doing 
and uh, you know every single pastor every single public speaker especially from the pulpit we're all on a spectrum you know not all of us are the uh, the bee's knees right not all mm-hmm. of us are a 10 not all of us are a one we're all on a spectrum and so does it you know so it's good is subjective good is subjective and quite honestly i think some of the you know the pure flicks or netflix or whatever it is like all the i mean to some people like those movies they speak like you you probably will go away from here and you might you know in 10 years you'll watch uh, i can only imagine and you go wow tim is way off like there was no emotion in this to me at all and i'd be fine with that mm-hmm. like because i think good art is subjective sure i agree with that right because I can, I, mean, go, I can go into, uh, Jill and I walk through Paris, all those, I and mean, we walk through the Louvre, and we walk through all these places, and I'm like, eh, all right. Yeah. But I see some other people with misty eyes looking at this painting, I'm like, uh, okay. Well, it's the, same, it's the same thing with music. Right. Is it everybody has something that speaks to them, everybody sure. has something that you go, this is artistic to the me. heart language. Yeah. And, and others that go, I don't get what you're saying right. at all. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, think, I think you can even... For those people who go, well, I don't have a pulpit ministry. I don't have a create creative outlet. My thing would be, don't elevate that to the point of uh, uh, where it doesn't belong. Everybody has a story. Yeah, everybody has a story. Like, and so it doesn't have to be that I have to go create this story about this couple that is fighting off zombies and whatever. It, it's what has God done in your life that we can tell. Just start there, mm-hmm. and. And that's not boring. And some people will be moved by that story, and other people will say, "Okay, thank you, sure, weirdo." But I think I think as as people who have a who serve a God who is a storyteller, it is on us to tell stories and to tell them as best we can. Yeah. And with am I doing anything? Yeah, but Most also aren't. with developed craft. I think that's the thing is that so often we just think, "Oh, Jesus," and he he will. I mean, I'm probably gonna that Jesus will just accept whatever offering I get. Right. I have. Sure, he will. Learn a few more chords. Yeah. And 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 try to sit here and go, I'm going to try to become better at my art so that I can I can I don't know, I'll say glorify him more cuz I know, you know, but that's a kind of a crude thought, you know, but I don't know. To me it's if I'm going to do something for the Lord, then why would I not want to be better at it than I currently am? Sure. Yeah, I would make it as good as possible. I do yeah. that with my messages. I go yeah. back, and uh, for most of them, I go back and I I judge myself. And you add stuff that is that is engaging. You add story. You add. I mean, yesterday you were up on the drums, and the thing. What's What's funny is just by moving up stage, everybody in the room was like, "Whoa, what's he doing now?" It's sure, like it makes a, it it's a creative, creative thing to do. Here's my question to you guys: What would you like to see in Christian art? How would how do you think it could be improved? I don't know. I mean, I, th- again, I, that's that's my. I, I have a hard time answering this because my perspective, uh, which is not objective, but my perspective is that things are subjective. Um, you know, I'm not saying that I'm right. I just think in my mind, uh, art is subjective. And so, what would I like to see in Christian art? People giving their all. I, I don't yeah. have a better answer than okay. that. I'd like to see people being unafraid to ask the messy questions yes. and to to ask and to to look at things that just haven't been ad- addressed yet. Like if if all of the time we spend making art is spent making those and I we've been talking 
primarily from like a film standpoint for this discussion. So um, I'm, I'm just going to keep, keep going in that bent. But if, if all of the art that we produce is this like Hallmark-esque right. Christian flicks movies, like we are missing this whole other wing of what our art should be. Um, the really good example, um, make characters that are more than just Christian. Like, yeah. Like have additional plot standpoints. And this this could be like any art. Like I'd love to see more Christians in art that like are just Christians, period. Like right. um there's a like there's this game series called Mass Effect. It's a huge sci-fi series that ended um a few years ago. Yeah. But uh one of the characters, one of the side characters is a Christian. She's from Earth, she's a Christian, name's Ashley. Um, and like she and the the player character like go back and forth and talk about it. Yeah. And then this real interesting question comes up in the second game, the player character dies. And then with sci-fi technology, like they find his corpse and they like reanimate it. Okay. Bring him back to life essentially. So in the third game, they'd actually cut this conversation, but there was dialogue that they had written where this Christian was like talking saying like, what happened? Like, talk to me about death. And like those are questions that we can ask. That that comes from like a sci-fi perspective. So like obviously, you can ask weird stuff in that direction. Right. But if we're going to talk about slice of life, talk about like, hey, I lost someone recently, and I I don't know how to deal with that. Yeah. Talk about to be real. Yeah. yeah. That's 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 on my list. Top of my list is I want to see mess. I want to see honesty and struggle and 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 not just honesty and grappling with questions, but honesty and going. When I watch Christian movies, the conversations that take place are wholly inauthentic. They are just there to serve the drive me to the point at the end of the movie. Um, I remember when I was watching, uh, was it, I think it was Courageous, and, and it was the one about the, I think, the policemen. And at one point they were having a barbecue, and all the men went outside, and they sat down, and almost immediately one of the guys said, so tell me about your issues with your dad. And I'm going, I, I, I mean, I wasn't old enough at the time to be able to say this with, uh, I, with any sort of uh, definitive statement, but I went, that doesn't feel real to me at all that these guys just sat down and instead of talking about baseball or football or what's happening in their lives, it was, I'm going to ask a really probing question about your daddy issues. And, and they began this and it was just a long exposition on here. And I went, this is not real. And, and the thing that annoys me more than anything, and I, I alluded to this last week is that the conflict never seems all that bad. Um, and which makes the resolution weak. Um, and it always paints the, and, and uh, it always paints the Christians as we are the good ones and the non-Christians are the villains. True. And, and, and I just went, I don't, I've met a number of non-Christians that I like better than Christians uh, because of the way that they engage and the way that they talk to each other. I mean, being a Christian doesn't make you perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Sometimes, uh, you know, it, it can, it can make you more insufferable if it's uh, unchecked and, I would also like to see in terms of just the, the whole art is longer, I guess, gestation period. Like there are so many artists, authors, people who write albums who are sort of contractually obligated to release something 
once a year. And what you end up seeing is, I don't know that you, that that produces really good art because it just forces you to put something out. And to me, I would rather people take their time and be thoughtful. Um, and just, I don't know, just because you have to put some, just because you can put something out doesn't mean you have to. Yeah. Like don't force somebody to preach 40 out of 52 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, (laughs) I think that's just true of all art. Yeah. Like there is a big conversation to be had. And part of the reason why I feel I'm fairly cynical about modern Christian art is just because of how commercialized it's been. Like, right. uh, I felt this way for a long time. Like even back when I was like in middle school and high school, I knew I was not big on like mainstream Christian music just because of how commercialized it was and sure. how like RBS and like the, just it, it didn't have a lot of, content like there were individual pieces by like michael w smith he was a great songwriter but like i feel like the vast majority of his his library just wasn't wasn't very present yeah you're if if you want to create what's the sloppy wet kiss guy i was gonna bring that up john mark mcmillan mark mcmillan like he does not fit into the box not at all and he doesn't care he's just gonna continue to put out songs that are on his heart and just do it and i mean i don't i don't really follow him all that much um but uh, yeah, more power to him. Like it's uh, like I'm not going to write a song simply so that you can put it on the radio. Uh, I'm going to write a song that God has laid. And that was where Amina Brown was really talking about that we have really divided the subculture between sacred and secular, and that that really should not be. That as Christians, we should just be willing to put out art and understanding that God is not just at work in this realm, but he's working in this realm and can inspire in this way as, as well. And that maybe we should spend less time just trying to entertain Christians and work on just putting out good art that is expressive and reveals truth and is honest. And if it gets picked up by the church, if it gets picked up by radio, that's not the measure of whether or not something actually glorifies God. If it has a commercial success, um, and, and I, I was really challenged by that because I, I think I, I l- land too heavily in the sacred realm. I'm not, I'm not that great at, uh, it, at just putting out something that is, I, I feel like when I do put stuff out, I try to make it as honest as I can, but it still seems very churchy to me. Um, and, and that's the thing is, is when I like with the Christmas album, you know, when Christians like it, great. I'm glad it has enhanced your Christmas worship and you can really connect with it. When I hear people go, I don't go to church and I really connect with that. Then I go, all right, then that, that makes me feel good because we were pursuing art there and not just how do I entertain people? It was like, this felt authentic to us to do. And it, and it, and, and God used that to connect with people who may not be super close to him. And that, that felt good. And that's where, like, I want to kind of ask the question, talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in inspiration. And you brought up John Mark McMillan. And one of the most, and this is kind of such a famous case study, is uh, How He Loves, the tune. He wrote, and, and it's it's pretty infamous, he wrote How He Loves, fantastic song. It is loved by very many people. And in the bridge, he wrote the line, uh, and heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. And then Crowder came along and he said, I'm going to do this exact same thing. Apparently the story was he was listening to this tune on an airplane 
and just broke down with how beautiful, you know, in, in response to how beautiful it was. And he covered it. And all he did was change the line, sloppy, wet kiss to unforeseen kiss. Yeah. And, and there are people who got really mad at that because the idea was, well, this was the original intent of the author or the Holy spirit led John Mark McMillan to write sloppy wet kiss to then come back and say, no, I'm going to make it unforeseen kiss because some people are going to have a problem with it. And Mm -hmm. there are people who will debate this as to whether or not it is correct to sing sloppy wet kiss or unforeseen kiss. Go heaven meets earth. Like debate it. it. Oh, okay. Well, you go first. I don't know what your position is. I used to sort of believe you win. (laughs) You always do the crowded version. I do. Yeah. We've uh, you've never done sloppy wet kiss. Have you? No. Yeah. Do it next time. Just mix everyone up. Watch everyone leave. We're talking That's about we're talking about turning worship on its head. Like that'll be the thing that like turns everyone off. Like it doesn't matter if we do the the sermon at the front. Doesn't matter if we do a benediction. It's gonna be sloppy wet kiss. Yeah. That's what kills the church. So I, I I won't do that. And the reason I won't do that is because I feel like it would be disruptive in that moment. And I think it would like and as a worship leader, I don't wanna I don't wanna do things that would intentionally pull the emergency break on people's worship. I think there's a way to have that conversation. I don't know what that is. Um, I don't know. Just do, do a version where you go back into the bridge and then you do the second way and confuse everybody. Just give me a mic on the front row and I'll just yell into it. Sloppy wet kiss while you're singing, (laughs) you back off the mic. Don't have people who will do that. There will people who, who will see that unforeseen kisses up there and, and, I saw a YouTube video of a guy screaming sloppy wet kiss. I'm like, why? Like what, what, why did you feel that that was? And I guess that's John Mark McMillan sore about it. Was he sore about it? I mean, John Mark McMillan. Oh, I wish I could remember. He's not sore about it. Everybody else needs to shut up. He toured with Crowder. Okay. (laughs) I don't think he's that sore. Yeah. Um, and, and I saw them together and he came out for like Crowder did how he loves. He, did he, he then, probably called and asked him, Hey dude, can I copy? Can I right. use this? Can I change this? Crowder lyric? did. Yeah, I'm sure. So what's okay. No, but, but it's, it's the question of does the Holy spirit inspire art? Because so this, this yes. article and I can put it Have up. Have you read there. the Psalms? Well, yeah, but I mean like modern art, like it, I think it'd be tough no, to not look at Psalms. Yeah, okay. I, w- I would say it's tough to look at something that is canon in Scripture mm-hmm. and say. It wasn't canon when it was written. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. All right. Touche. Tosh. It's not like David sat down and was like, all right, I'm about to write some Bible today. Well, I mean, this is the question <laughs> yeah, of like, point. I mean, to kind of turn the conversation on its head a bit, like already on its head. Theological discussions like there is a about 2000 years of like really really good theological work that's come out and for whatever reason the Protestant church seems only focused on the bible that was put together at the council of Nicaea like the third one like 300 years into the life of Christianity do you want to open up the canon the what you want to open up the canon I don't open the canon (laughs) I just want or like I'm saying like (laughs) he wants for whatever reason we we talk about like you you talk about like we we focus on this Bible mm-hmm. like as the Plus inerrant the word of God yeah, yeah. We, well we don't we don't look at the apocrypha because oh. we're not Catholic I see okay yeah but there's like all of this additional work and all this additional study and 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 I would say to some degree like theological art that has been produced that is just kind of like ignored by churches such as ours yeah 
Um, I don't know what that has to do with the main conversation, but I feel it would ne- it necessary to to say. Yeah, I mean, I think we are exclusive. I think the the question of art and God's role in it is that there are three different views. Um, there is one that says it's all God. I'll come back to this one. The one that says it's all me, like God's not really involved in this. Um, you know, I, I don't think too many people would subscribe to that. It's just sort of like, I'm just creating art. God didn't have anything to do with it. Um, and then the version that says it is a partnership between it's God's influence and my craft working together. I think I tend to, I, I absolutely fall on that side, but Tim, I want to ask you because I feel like you probably get this a lot. And I know when things have said, we've come to me and have given compliments on stuff. I have tended to say this, you know, it wasn't me. It's all God. It's all God. You know, this will God. And really that kind of flies in the face of what I just said. Do we give, how was it? Do we give God too much credit for our art? No. What I mean to say is, um, do we negate the fact that God and man are working together to produce something when we say, no, it's all God. Do we negate it? No, but I think we, I think we frustrate the person who's giving a compliment. Mm. I've, I've, I've stopped just saying to God be the Lord, you know, constantly, uh, you know, without saying thank you, like, no, you know, Hey, that sermon meant so much to me. Thank you for saying that. That's a huge encouragement that, you know, that's prayerfully, you know, that's prayerfully always the, the, um, feedback that I would love to, to, to hear. And and that's prayerfully when I sit down to write a message, it's like, all right, God, what are we doing today? Like, that's just what we're doing. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I've had some people come up and say, why did you preach what you did today? Well, prayerfully, we put this on a calendar and prayerfully, I read this passage and prayerfully, I read, you know, it's so it's, it, it, yes, it is a combination of the two for sure. Look at all of the epistles that are in that closed canon that, um, you know, Paul and Peter and Luke and John and everybody's everybody writes differently. Yeah. They all have their different inflections, the different ways they present ideas that, I mean, Paul says, I, Paul, a slave to Christ. He doesn't say I, the Holy spirit writing to you, church of Corinth. Right. It's like I'm Paul. And Oh, by the way, at the end, like say hi to, to Tychus and say yeah. hi to, to Priscilla and yeah. say hi to all these people. Like it's still him writing it's still me writing the message it's still me delivering the message even though my prayer is may i be an oracle um you know may may whatever comes out may may you know hide me behind the cross and may you hear some you know hear the holy spirit but yeah it's absolutely a marriage of the two Mm because you've i'm sure you prayerfully hear uh people on a you know a higher end of the spectrum you know better preachers than me or you know lesser preachers than me that all of a sudden uh, the holy spirit speaking through them but you hear it in a totally different way because sure. they're just not as gifted a communicator or much better gifted communication and so yeah it's absolutely a marriage of the two yeah i agree with that no i mean i i think that's a great answer and and to be able to say i'm glad god was able to use me you know to acknowledge the fact that this is that's very encouraging to hear that's, yeah that's yeah. good no i'll i'll learn that um because normally I'm just like, oh, it's not me. It's not me. And I go, well, and again, I'm not asking for credit. I'm saying right. I, I think I think it's it's neg- it's not negating. It's it's not identifying or being aware of the fact that w- me and God were working together on that. Yeah. And we, we worked, you know, I tried to do my best for him and, and, it, and it connected with you. And I'm really glad that that happened. Yeah. If we can, if we uh, who are creating and performing, if you will, if you want to consider a sermon a performance, 
I do. If we can encourage other people, why can't we then receive encouragement? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's like, oh, no, it was all God. It was all God. Yeah, I mean, no, all glory to God for sure. Um, but honor can still go to man, right? But I, th- I think... I think the difficulty I have with that is as, as personally receiving that is because knowing how screwed up I am sure, of course. and knowing how much he's not screwed up. Sure. And so for me to sit there and be like, man, it's all me and all God, you know, it's just, you know, I would, I would much prefer to say, right. Yeah, because I'm, the discouragement comes two times as much as the encouragement. I hold on to the encouragement as much as I can. That's good. No, <clears throat> yeah. Um, and so here's, so I I want to I want to end with asking this before we move into confession. Um, what are some examples, whether it be movies, books, uh, music that could still be maybe considered secular, maybe are Christian but are just doing it well, that they promote truth well, that that they um, communicate even if it's not a hey here's Joe pre conversion, here's him at conversion, that just say here are some movies, music, books that we would recommend and say there, there's good stuff that we can take away here. Good themes that we can see um, that they're not necessarily Christian, but, um, but are just promoting the right stories. Do you guys have some suggestions? I already mentioned Don Miller, just remembered yeah. his name. Don Miller blew like jazz. That was a pretty cool book when I read it. I remember I couldn't tell you the plot now, but um, I also mentioned the Andrew Garfield, his struggle, and mm-hmm. that was Mel Gibson put out that movie with uh, Hacksaw Ridge, which was a fantastic flick. Um, uh, musically, I would put John Foreman in there. John Foreman and Switchfoot, you know, when 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 people don't make music that is explicitly Christian that you can sing from a stage in a church, uh, you're selling out, right? Sure, you know, yeah, like crossovers, yeah, you, yeah. You've crossed over, you've sold out, you're just doing now. Now you're secular, and so we don't like you. Um, but I think uh, I've always enjoyed John Foreman's work. I think he puts out stuff that is, you know, it makes you think a little bit more, a little more artsy. It's not so direct. Like, I mean, he just, you know, he doesn't take Romans three twenty three and just start singing right. that you're falling short. Um, right. he tells a story about how he's fallen short or, you yeah. know, it's just anyway. So I, I enjoy his artistic ability for me. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got, Joe? Um, not much. <laughs> uh, I think the musically what I what I really ended up appreciating was uh specifically bands uh that don't fall into the the standard commercialized form of um like mainstream Christian music. So I, I growing up I did listen to a lot of um like alternative stuff. So like there's this band called Demon Hunter that is like a heavy metal screamo Christian band. Um that Yes, it's heavy metal screamo, but <laughs> uh, if you if you pause and you like listen to some of their slower stuff, they'll, they'll do acoustic pieces. Like the lyrical work in those songs is very heartfelt mm. um, and very, I'd, I'd say, artful. Um, they have a song uh, called "Carry Me Down," which is really great. Um, tons of stuff like that. If you if you look and don't just look at like the quote unquote mainstream alternative stuff. Like everybody listens to the skillet. You're no longer right. You're no longer cool. If you listen to skillet, but like look for some of the, the, the more, uh, off to the side, there's a band called copper Lily. Um, okay. Tim Skipper from house of heroes and his wife. Yeah. They're a musical duo. They, they sing about a, a godly Christian love Mm. like that. They they're married. So they love each other. Um, 
and they they do a, a song that's just about like this kind of like christianized godly form of marriage and love and like everything they do is just beautiful mm. and it's not explicitly like god is involved here it's just they're presenting this this image of what a godly relationship looks like yeah that's great no i mean and that 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 seems to kind of fall again in that line of i'm just going to put out art uh, that is inspired by god and yeah it may tend to land on the secular spectrum um to me i would say we've we've already mentioned it john mark mcmillan um he his albums are incredibly poetic and and a lot of times the the message is not right up front. Like you have to kind of struggle with, I mean, much like poetry, it, it doesn't actually tell you it's not a textbook. And so you need to work with some of the things that they're, they're working on. That's great. Um, Maverick city is doing some good stuff. I have recommended this album uh, a number of times at some point I'll stop doing it, but I, I still can't get over Springsteen's live in Dublin album. Um, he does a lot of spiritual stuff on there that is really meaningful. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't consider him to be a, a real strong professing Christian, but still it's, it's quality art. Um, looking at a different realm on Broadway, Lame is, um, and I guess the Tom Hopper movie was, or Tom Hooper. I don't remember, but, uh, Lame is, no, it was Hooper. Um, it was Hooper and that's really going to bother me, but yeah, his, his, you know, version of Lame is, it's really good. Um, fantastic themes in there and movies we've, we've talked about. I mean, pretty much almost any war movie talking about sacrifice, saving private Ryan Schindler's list, um, Hacksaw Ridge, just, I think it was last year or the year before, cause I don't remember anything that happened in 2020, but, um, the movie Harriet, uh, was really, really good. That was on our list. We never did see it. That's uh, fantastic. Right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, it's free on HBO max right now. Yeah. Well, it's not free on HBO max. You pay for HBO max, but, um, Lord of the Rings, I'm not a huge fan of this at all, but even Star Wars has a lot of um, has Christian ideas and and stuff. No, I'm not saying that I, it's Christian. I wouldn't say Christian ideas so much as, and this was something that I meant to say but never did. Sorry to cut you off. Go for it. Um, so I anyway, think, I was thinking that. Oh, yeah. Sorry. To, <laughs> um, I think there's the there's time. a lot of uh, the human experience is like very I don't know universal. Because everyone's human, indeed. Um, and what that means <laughs> is that there are, there are certain certain core ideas that fit. And I, I'd say that there there are ideals from the Christian experience that we can sometimes falsely associate as being Christian when we see it in other places. Sure. Um, like I mentioned earlier, J.R.R. Tolkien swears up and down that there's no Christian allegory in Lord of the Rings. Right. But Christians find it everywhere. Everywhere. Because things like sacrifice, things like loyalty, things like um, faith and, and and hope and love. And like these are all Christian ideals and Christian um, things that are, that are central to like the identity of Christianity. But they're also universal. Yeah. Like they're not just a, a Christian element. Um, so... Yeah, I, I don't know what I'm, where I'm going with that. Well, I, what I'm, I'm not trying to say these are Christian movies. Mm. What I'm saying is that you can find themes of redemption, themes of hope, themes of, of conflict and things like that. I mean, Gladiator, um, Rudy, you know, sports movies where you can see people overcoming odds and, and, and being people of character. I'm not saying that these are going to go, you're going to be led to Jesus through these. But in terms of here are examples of... Um, 
people or movies that are just communicating things well. They can help you come to a deeper understanding of your own faith. Yeah, and 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 just you know the, these. And I want to recommend a book. Um, it's probably my favorite book of all time now that I've thought about it. But the Which Way Tree by I believe it's Elizabeth Brown. Um, it's a book that it's written very much like an old, uh, like Mark Twain, um, to kill a mockingbird kind of that, that very lyrical, uh, type fiction. Um, it's written really, really well. And there's a character in there that is an old pastor, um, who I sat there and went, if I were to ever write a, um, if I were to ever write a novel, I would hope that I would create a character like him who is a Christian, who is just normal and wise and doesn't one he has a d- dog right yeah and then i think i read that and then the they're two looking kid, for a panther two yeah looking yeah. for a panther two kids are like totally orphaned or something yep. like that yeah i love that, yeah, book. that book yeah oh wow i didn't know you read that it's because i told did you ever see me post about it on facebook and that's why you read it i i barely remember the book but yeah that's, as soon as you wild. started talking about it I yeah didn't that, remember the title and then you're i was like man i remember that plot but yeah, yeah sure. it was great awesome oh i'm excited about that guys let's jump into confession we've we've gone a minute and, and we didn't do a confession last time except for me apologizing over and over again mm-hmm. um i'll go first for confession uh i will acknowledge that i have been very critical and i have just outright uh mocked uh what i would call poetic worship um, and I don't think that was right to do. Now, not everything that is poetic means it's great uh, and that is is quality art. But very often when I'm evaluating songs that we're going to introduce to the church, if it is abstract, I tend to go, no, uh, that we need to we need to find creative ways to uh, just make theology, j- just make sure that every lyric is accurate and it doesn't leave any room for interpretation. And I don't know that that was the right thing to do. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying that I I very much have just outright rejected a number of things that have been suggested to me on the basis of, nah, it's just it's too poetic and flowery and, and nobody's going to understand what this means. And maybe maybe there's room for that in the church. Um, I think there is room for that in the church. And I have been dismissive of it. And I'm not, I'm not thrilled with that, especially because, uh, and I'm grateful she doesn't listen to this podcast, but it means that in some level, Brianna was right. And, uh, Bree, Bree. so please don't tell her I said that. I know she's not listening. So I'll confess that, um, I, some, I often, uh, project that creativity is easier than what it actually is. Yes, so, you do. Uh-huh. Yeah. So normally, uh, you know, I'll try to give you like a six week ramp or a four week ramp and I'll say, Hey, can you like do something with this and I'll give you yeah. a box. Like I said, Hey, my message ends and softly and tenderly. The hymn would be fantastic as a closer. Yeah. You want to take that box and run with it. And you know, I'm just like, Hey, do it, do it, do it, do it. Be creative. Yeah. Um, and I, I probably will still continue doing that, but uh, I do feel a little bit for you now after you giving me the box of grave to gardens, create a movie. And I was like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, don't, I think yours was better. I'm like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. So, yeah, I I, um, I sometimes force creativity. And I, I know is just as much as the rest. Like, I still do um, a lot of the, what do you call it, the digital art. Um, mm-hmm. What do you call that? Graphic just design. Graphic design, yeah, for the church. And that all comes in spurts. Yeah. Like, there'll be just one night where I'm in front of the computer and I just, like, I just like hammer out like four sermon series, just like boom, 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 boom. But then the rest of the time I have like yeah. zero inspiration. Um, so anyway, yeah. So I, I, I 
confess that sometimes I try to force creativity when it's not there and it's hard to do that. I will say, I mean, you do that, but I also appreciate it because there are times where I think there is probably creativity that I can tap into and uh, I'm scared to do that. And so you basically saying, go do it, um, makes me have to, at least, I'm not saying that I end up producing things that are great, but at least it forces me to flex those creative muscles and work them out. And so I, I would give you permission to not stop doing that. All right. Can you rewrite something like softly and tenderly that hymn? I'm kind work, of I've, I've been working on oh, it. Nice. Right. I've been working on it. But if you remember, I came to you and I said, well, does it need to be straight up that arrangement or can I get real super creative and outside the box? And you were like, just do the hymn guy. Like stop trying to stop trying to reinvent the wheel. And so that, that's, and I needed Did I do that. Primers. I said, I thought I said whatever, like just whatever. You I'm said sorry. you if said you, it would be great to have softly and tenderly. Why would you not go do that? And I went, uh, okay. I think I, the only I think the only direction that I remember giving, and I'm sure I've whatever. But I said, <laughs> just why can't you just like write a bridge to it? I think I did say that. Maybe. Yeah. I'll work on it. Right. I'm not Chris Tomlin. Josie, what do you got? Yes, for as, for as cynical as I am about um, modern no. Christian art. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I say it for the third time in a row. Um, for as cynical as I am, uh, I don't I I don't really consume Christian art in general. Um, Faith based was the first Christian movie I've watched. Not a like, Christian movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you still don't consume Christian art, correct? Um, it was the first relatively Christian thing I watched <laughs> in uh, in a long while, um, and I just looked at my my just for a lurk my Spotify year in review from 2020 top hundred songs. Mm in rank by play playlist or yeah. play date a number of times played frequently played yeah um guess where the one christian song shows up in the 90s 78 what was okay. the one christian song it wasn't even a christian song it was just by a christian artist it was holiday by brit nicole okay so zero zero zero, zero songs correct yeah bluff called yep yeah good for you i mean good to recognize that and to put that out there so work on that but find you know what we didn't even talk about we'll talk about it next week i wanted to talk about um what do we do with christian artists who uh oh, you mean the, the gunger film. problem the gunger problem the audrey assad problem save yeah. it we'll talk about it next week um all right so how about great christian people anybody got one uh, i got one but if you guys i can speak on your all's behalf if you don't like, didn't we already do that that didn't like when Martin i mentioned Martin. foreman like yeah anyway okay go ahead. you got anything josie anything extra he doesn't know any Christian artists. That's true. He thinks Brit Nicole's holiday, which I don't think that's the, her version. But nope. no, not at all. You got anything? Um, yeah, I just reiterate um, those those off to the side Christian artists that are doing a lot of really good work um, that aren't necessarily in that mainstream following your Amy Grants, your Michael W. Smiths, like seek them out. They they're producing a lot of really good soulful work. It might not necessarily come in the form that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um but you know you can find that art um, in in pretty much any any avenue. So yeah. find it. Yeah. If you have any recommendations, I have plenty. Yeah. I just they're just not in <laughs> my recommendations. Yeah, they're not in my top one hundred. <laughs> yeah. So here here's what I want to say. So Josie encouraged you uh, to go find those artists. Uh, I want to close out by encouraging you to be those artists. Um, I want to shout out to the poets, the songwriters, the storytellers, the creators. 
those who are um, struggling to find a place in the church because you feel like maybe your art is a little more abstract than the church will allow. Come to Glen Burnie. We'll let you art. I will tell you what. The church needs you. Um, uh, there was a time where the church was the center of art, where it was the hub. And we are no longer that thing. And we need we need those creators. And so don't be afraid to to do things that are weird, to do things that people go, I don't get it. Um, because somebody will, and, and don't look at saying, well, this won't be commercial or this won't be, um, embraced by everybody and make that and assume that what you're putting out there and what God is leading you to do. And you're working with him on is, is still not good. Uh, cause we need you and we appreciate you guys. We thank you so much for hanging through with us. Uh, if you're not following us on ready on uh, Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> I screwed it up. Let me start it again. Guys, we're so grateful for you hanging in there on this conversation. Uh, it seems a whole lot better than last week's. If you're not already, follow us on the Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at GCP Pod. You can email, email us at GCP Pod. Nope. GC Pod. Nope. GPP Pod. GCP Pod. Good. Good. GCP Pod. Good Christian Pod at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to give this Christian movie thing one more shot. We're going to watch the movie Small Group, and we're going to evaluate it together. But in the meantime, it is Holy Week, and we want to encourage you to spend time focusing on the love of God who would sacrifice his son to bring us back to him. So read a book, watch a movie, listen to something that stirs your affections towards him, and have a great Easter celebration. And until then, be real good. Be good. Listening to Good Christian People, the podcast. Today's episode was recorded on Monday, March 22nd, 2021, by Jeff Higgins and Tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, Maryland. If you'd like to find more of our content, please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or by following us online at, at GCPPod. Till then, be real good. Be good. Be good. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was good.